Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Today, we talked to the folks from CoolBet about their entry into the Canadian market, how they signed Andre DeGrasse, the track star, as their ambassador, and a new partnership that they've got with Push Gaming. All that and more as we get rolling. Brian Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. We continue to talk to uh, all the players in the space, and there are a lot of them when it comes to uh, specifically the Ontario market, but we're having great conversations throughout the the last couple of months uh, with a number of people all over the world. Chris Abbott is the head of North America at CoolBet, and he joins us to talk a little bit about the CoolBet brand and what they've got on the horizon. Great to have you, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I like CoolBet. I've got them on my phone. I've used the app. I I find it, you know, very intuitive. It, It serves a a lot of my purposes. This is not an endorsement by any stretch. Not that I'm against that idea, but uh, it's not one because I've, you know, I've, I've sort of tested each and every product that, it, that's come onto the market. Uh, for those who don't know, though, tell me a little bit about the the CoolBet user experience and the brand itself. Yeah, so CoolBet um, was founded in Norway uh, in 2015, launched in 2016. Uh, was primarily um, you know a European facing book, and then uh, came to Canada in 2019. And one thing that grabbed my attention uh, right away was just that it was different um, when it comes to user experience. I thought I find that you know a lot of the competitors in the space are using um, you know uh, one of a, a handful of. Um, you know, kind of white label solutions for their product, where uh, CoolBet uh, is really unique in, the, in that they own their own technology, did their all, all their own design. Uh, so it has a little bit of different look and feel from everything else. And I, I think that's something that not only grabbed my attention when I was looking to join the brand, but I feel like uh, for, for, you know, potential and existing customers, um, it's something that, that they enjoy as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's cliche, but uh, our brand is kind of cool. It's, it's fun. We, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Um, we want it to be a place for recreational players. You know, we're not, uh, we don't really cater to kind of, you know, the big money. Um, not that you can't bet big money with us, but I mean, that's not really what our, our marketing drive is. You know, we try to compete on price and, and, uh, you know, a range of offers and, and things to just, uh, kind of keep the recreational, uh, player, um, you know, in tune with uh, the industry and, and whatever they're looking for. What's reaction been like specifically in Ontario when it comes to that recreational player over the last, let's say, what are we, two months, almost two months in? Yeah, you know, Ontario and Canada as a whole is an interesting place uh, when it comes to this because a lot of the brands that have joined the market are American or, you know, have focus in, in regulated markets uh, that were not, you know, anything before that. So Canada is a little unique. I think I think there was a really big expectation that, uh, you know, there's a lot of words thrown around, you know, legalization and, and now you can do it. But, but for people who know, uh, people were gambling online in Canada sure. for many, many years. So, you know, we have seen an uptick in business. Uh, but I think, you know, mostly what you've seen through the first couple of months is, you know, people who are already betting. Uh, for the majority, and you know, I don't have the data or numbers to back it up. Just kind of my experience, but I think what you've seen is people who are already gaming are now, you know, trying out all the different options that are there. I mean, I've done it, you've done it. Why wouldn't you um, to see all all the different? players that have come to the market. So I think that's been a lot of what it was. I think, you know, if you were hesitant to 
gamble, whether it's casino or sports online before April 4th, you're probably still a little hesitant about it now. Um, you know, there are extra steps in terms of, you know, you have to do online financial transactions, which, you know, some uh, segments of the population are still not, you know, comfortable with. Like I know my parents, for example, like, mom doesn't like buying things online with her visa, no matter how, you know, safe and secure sure. it is. So yeah, I think they're, you're always going to have that. But I think, um, you know, what we've seen is that it's come out of the shadows a little bit. I think there was a little more taboo um, to talk about gambling and betting online. And I think just kind of getting the endorsement of the of the government has been uh, has been helpful for the industry as a whole. You know, before April 4th, it was, uh, you know, if we're talking Ontario, it was, you know, OLG and then everybody else were these sketchy operators. Well, no, that wasn't really the case. <laughs> now, there are some. Absolutely. But most most brands that were operating in the gray market in Canada, um, they were licensed and regulated. It just wasn't within the borders of, of the country. And it was more legal stuff than, you know, operational um you know, whether it be uh, efficiency or legitimacy or whatever word you want to put on it. I mean, uh, most most sites were, were completely legitimate before. But now I think, um, you know, there's a little bit of a, a safety net for people who maybe had some questions or hesitation. Well, how do you break through the, the, that hesitancy, as you call it? Maybe not your mom, maybe not my mom, but maybe the, you know, the 35-year-old out there that, you know, doesn't necessarily know enough. Because I think a lot of this industry is going to be built on education. And we certainly do that here at TDR. We've got a lot of organic, uh, evergreen content. That, that explains things, that explains what parlays are, explains what money line betting is. How do you break through to those people that might be hesitant for different reasons? Yeah, I mean, I think the education piece is massive. And I think, uh, you know, that's something we tried to do and something I know we could do a better job of is is educating people. Because I know when I first got involved in the sports betting industry, a little less casino because casino stuff is pretty straightforward. You put your money in a slot machine and put the button or you play blackjack and, you know, you go to 21 or the dealer goes to 21. Or, um, so I think with the sports betting thing, it is intimidating. I think um, you see all these numbers and, and when you log in and even, you know, our site or anybody's site, you open up these lists and you see plus this and minus that. And why is it 1.5 here, but 500 somewhere else? And you got to explain the difference between you know, a spread and a money line and uh, totals are pretty straightforward, but what what kind of return you get when you bet it and, and all these things. So I think the education piece is absolutely massive. And I, I do think the one thing that uh, in terms of breaking through to maybe previously hesitant um, players is that iGaming Ontario puts their stamp of approval on it. And you know that, you know, the government has done, um, you know, a set review and have regulated everything that this this you know this this uh, operator is offering to you. So you know, like if I go into a drugstore and I get something from my pharmacist, I know that you know it's been given a stamp of approval, and I think that really helps when you talk about regulated markets and and just being on the other side of it and knowing that you know all the rigorous things that we had to go through to get that stamp of approval. Um, I think you know players should have uh, confidence, and that, and that's exactly what the hashtag was for iGaming Ontario when they launched. It was play with confidence and you know they're a subsidiary or arm's length of the agco you know who've been managing alcohol tobacco whatever uh, in the province forever and, and and lottery and you know however you feel about governments that's that's yeah. a whole other conversation another podcast but you know, <laughs> we the can one go that on about that is, if you like uh, is looking after this <laughs> yeah i mean gosh yeah i i've spent a lot of the last 
you know, few months in, in the U.S. actually doing some traveling. And, and it's really interesting to have conversations about governments and policies. And But, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we have the time for that. You know, well, let, <laughs> let's talk, to, talk about something that did get your company a lot of attention. And I think this is positive attention because when the transition was being made um, from a lot of those gray market sites you talk about and flipping things over into the world of just regulated, everybody's out in the open, transparent uh, industry, uh, there were some companies, I'm not going to name them, that didn't necessarily handle uh, some of the future bets that were already on the books uh, properly in the way they treated their customers. You guys kind of, you, you did, you got attention. I talked about it on the podcast months ago, uh, so you deserve kudos for it. You treated the customers with respect. You managed to give them the transparency and goodwill I feel they deserved when uh, cashing their future bets, even if the, the future hadn't fully reached the end of its of its lifespan. You thought maybe, okay, it's going to win anyway. You gave the customers their money. Uh, why why the decision to do that on a, on a company point of view? Well, I mean, it was a really tricky situation because, you know, essentially, especially if you're operating on the gray market, you were going from essentially one company that you were representing to another. You know, you were operating on this one license and now you're moving to another. So there has to be some sort of clear separation. So uh, whether it was, you know, April 4th or June 30th or, you know, December 67th, um, there had to be a line drawn in the sand. So that was OK. That was the, the ground rules that we had to play within. And, you know, the regulation was that anything that's not settled by April 4th, you can cancel it and give the player back their stake back and, and so be it. Sure. Yeah, we could have done that. And I liken it to, you know, am I parked illegally here uh, for five minutes and I run back out and could the guy give me a ticket? Yes. Am I driving 101 on the highway and could the officer give me a ticket? Yes. But, you know, you also have to look at these with with the human kind of element at play. And, you know, the way we looked at it was our customers made these bets in good faith with us at a number that we gave them and they expect that we will uphold the bargain on that bet. Now, none of us knew that that was going to, what was going to come down. Like when we accepted those futures bets, we didn't know that there was a, a, an end date on it. Maybe we could have anticipated that, but we hadn't gone through this before. So I think that, you know, given the circumstances we had to play in, I looked at it from a player's perspective and I, I bet I gamble all the time. If you cannot have the trust of your player in this industry, and it's back to what we talked about before, then then it doesn't matter what you offer. You know, if people don't trust you, then then that's no good. And I thought, you know, I, I, I asked our guys, I'm like, what do, you, what do you think the best solution is here? And sure, it's easy to follow the regulation and say tough luck, but um, it's also better to take a little bit of a loss. You know, we still had to avoid all the losing bets. Yeah. So that's the thing, you avoid all the losing bets and then basically everybody's free rolling. And sure, it costs some money at the end of the day, but I think um, it, it was doing the right thing. And we always talk about being transparent and open and player friendly. And then if we have a chance to do that and we don't, then then what good are we and, and how can you trust that? So that's ultimately what it came down to. We didn't do it to get, you know, goodwill in the media. We did, which was which was really great. But, you know, we just thought it was the right thing to do. And that's one of the reasons I enjoy being a part of Cool Bet is they generally do what the right thing to do is, um, you know, we always get feedback that if there's a problem, then, hey, we can reach out to you guys and, and you, you'll deal with it. Uh, and some of the other companies, and I'm a customer of theirs because obviously I can't play a whole lot on a, on a company I work for. Sure. Um, sometimes the customer service is lacking. And, and sometimes when you have these big kind of monolithic companies, then um, maybe it would have cost them a whole lot more to do what we did. 
you know? So I, I don't begrudge them for that, but I think even so that the communication could have been a lot better. Talk to me about the partnership with Push Gaming that you just announced. Why is that integration so important for uh, for Coolbet? Yeah, well, I think you're going to see a lot more of this happening in the industry, and it, and it's kind of exclusivity um, deals that are that are starting to show up in partnerships. Because you know, if you go on Coolbet's casino or you go on a competitor's casino, you're basically getting the same games and the same offerings, right? So how do you differentiate between what you're offering and what your competitor's offering? Well, it's paying the studio a little bit more uh, to be exclusive to you. And that's no different than any any marketing anywhere, whether you're in stadium branding, um, whether you know, you're know you on a flight and they only serve Pepsi or Coke or they only serve Molson or Labatt. Um, it's the same kind of thing. So I think it's a way to differentiate. It's a way to build partnerships. And, you know, the more of these that start to come out, then the customer has to decide, well, maybe they don't like Cool Bet all that much, but they really love this game that we have. Um, or maybe, you know, they love Cool Bet, but then a competitor has this game that they love. And then the customer has to choose. And that's one way to differentiate a product offering because, hey, look, the Jays are going to be minus 150 or minus 155 or minus 145 at whatever sports book all day because nobody wants to come out of the market. But there is a way through the casino to have exclusivities. And I think that's a strategy that you'll see more and more of amongst the competitors. That's so interesting to me. So let, let's break this down because I'm not a slot guy. I'm not, I'm not, you, you're never going to convert me. I'm a sports guy through and through. It's going to be very tough to, for me to go to the other side. Trust me, companies have tried. I get offers every day of, you know, free spin this and free spin that. And I look at it. Is it really that big for the companies? Like the idea that people are looking for a particular game, and I, and I ask this honestly, not even knowing the answer, like that the people are looking for a particular game that they want to play, and if you have it, they might be a little bit more brand loyal towards you. So, for example, the, the week we launched with the regulated license in Ontario, um, some of the studios hadn't met their obligations yet to the Ontario government. So while we were allowed to operate, our game catalog was a little bit lower than it normally would have been. And I had many, many, many uh, loyal casino players reach out and say, hey, like, where's this game? I love it. I play it every day. I see somebody else has it. You don't have it. What's going on? I want to stay with you. But if you don't, like, I, I love this game. And, um, you know, casino is really where the money's at for these sites. Like, you'll see... You know, the sports is flashy and exciting, but the margin on sports is, you know, it fluctuates. You sure. could make, you know, you aim to make 7% every month. Some months you might lose money on your sports book. Some months you'll make more. But the casino always, always returns 3 to 3.5%. Three and, and if you are reporting your financial numbers to the big people, they want to make sure that your casino is getting the play because they're always getting 3% of that. So I think you're going to see, and I think we've already seen it here in Ontario, uh, the MGMs of the world, some of the ones that, you know, they came in with the big sports push. Now you're seeing the casino roll out because that's really at the end of the day um, where iGaming websites want to funnel you. Um, you don't make a ton on sports gamblers. You make some on some bad ones. But, um, <laughs> most people who bet sports have a pretty good idea what they're doing. So, you know, if you go 50% and the book gets its little bit of juice off you over the over the life cycle, yeah. But, like, for example, I am a sports books demographic because if I make some money betting on sports, then I love going and playing some live dealer or whatever. 
um, you know, me and the guys sit around and, and play some slots together while we're watching sports. So ultimately, from a marketing funnel perspective, um, you know, the casino is very, very important to operators. I want to I want to talk to you about two things in the world of sports. And uh, it, this is this is peak Canadiana. So let's just do it. Uh, first off, you were the first uh, to put out CFL totals for the season. Uh, why do you feel that's important in this market? You know, I, I like the idea. I love the CFL. I'm an Argo season ticket holder. I don't know how many people even in the city say that out loud, but uh, I like to go to the games. I like to sit and have a beer, watch the Argos play, even if it's not well. What the hell? I, I think it's a it's a good, bold move to tie yourself to a product like this. Why do it? So you're a little bit of a masochist, too, so we learn a little bit more every day. Um, I think it's really important. Um, I'm a Tiger Cats fan myself, but um, so CFL, our curling partnerships with Team Holman and Team Epping, um, our Toronto Rock partnership with the National Lacrosse League, the Toronto Arrows of Major League Rugby. One of the strategies we have when we came here was to be very, very local. Um, we are not a Canadian company, but we position ourselves as, you know, a permanent resident, I guess. Um, and, and I think it's really important to, again, differentiate. Um, last season, the CFL's official partner, um, let me, let me back this up. Most times for sports that aren't, you know, your major four, you're waiting on somebody to set the market on this. You're, and then people copy. So we set the lines on curling odds for a lot of time, and then everybody copies us. But if somebody else sets a Premier League line, then we copy them. Like it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's almost like a tip of the hat. Like, hey, these guys are good at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then last year we noticed, you know, we were like, okay, well, the CFL has this partner who's probably getting some good data or whatever. We'll wait and see their lines. And we were waiting and waiting, and our customers are saying, you know, guys, we can't wait until Thursday afternoon to get the line in the CFL game. Like, we, this has to be better, and we know the matchup. There's no games in the interim, you know, uh, what have you. So we made a, a conscious decision to say, you know what, if we're going to position ourselves as Canadian, we're going to be first to market with CFL. If we get it wrong, the market will tell us real fast, and we'll move the line, and so be it. Um, and then, you know, we doubled down on that with lacrosse, um, curling. So we're trying to differentiate ourselves in the sports book, which is very hard to do by by having a focus on on local events and teams. And and, I, and I, as you can see, the CFL fans appreciate that. The other question has to do with Andre de Grasse, uh, you know, obviously a Canadian track superstar. You've got him as your cool ambassador, as you, you guys put it. Uh, what was that conversation like? How do you get a guy like Andre de Grasse to sign on to a, a sports wagering company? Are, are you in the room for that conversation? Are you in the room for that dialogue? And, and how do you get him over to your side? Yeah, sure. No, I, um, you know, I, I did that deal. Um, that one was interesting. So one of our sister markets in Europe was dealing with a, an Olympian I'm not even sure, sprinter, high jumper, something like in, in Estonia or Finland or one of those things. Anyway, whatever it was, um, they had a connection to Andre's management team in Vision Sports and Entertainment here in Toronto. And they said, hey, um, we'd like to introduce you to these guys. You know, if you're if you're talking about working with, you know, gold medalist Olympians, we know you have a big one in Canada. And honestly, when the email came through, I was like, there's no way. I mean, everybody's got to be all over Andre. He is cool as hell. And I was thinking... And if we could ever make this, you know, cool bet, Andre being cool thing work. Um, so we sent the email. We said, sure, we'd love to have the introduction. And uh, Brian and Steve and the whole team over at Envision, you know, we got together. We had some really good conversations. We've got some really interesting marketing materials that we've shot with him that are in production right now that we should see soon in the market. Um, and we weren't the only company, obviously, interested in Andre de Grasse. But 
you know, we have been watching what's been happening through the market and, you know, the retired NHL player thing has been overdone. Um, you know, we thought that, you know, we we didn't need to hit the the 50 plus white dude market because, hey, I know who Paul Coffey and Mike Vernon are. But uh, I asked some younger guys in our marketing team, I'm like, take a look at this ad. Do you know who these guys are? Uh, they're like, yeah, they're the trailer park boys. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you know who the guys are on the ice? And by the way, I love what PointsBet's been doing. I think their marketing has been really ingenious. But I'm just talking about who the brand ambassadors are. Yeah. And then we see, you know, Wayne Gretzky. And, you know, I know who Wayne Gretzky is. But I, I've heard of Jean Beliveau and Maurice Richard, but I didn't watch them growing up. So, like, it wouldn't have the same cachet for me if the guys from another generation. So, so you see where I'm going with this. So we're like, who is, you know, young and cool and identifiable for, for, you know, people in their twenties and thirties who are the people who are on their mobile devices all, all day, who are online all day. And, and then it just fit. And we had these conversations with Andre's team as well and explained to them why we thought Andre would be such a good fit. And I mean, you know, there's, there was plenty of back and forth, but I mean, that's kind of a glimpse in, into what happened. And then uh, Andre himself loves to, you know, um, you know, put a bet down on the NBA finals or the Super Bowl or whatever. So it's not like it's a foreign concept to him. Sure. It's not, you know, for example, if we went and got, gosh, I don't know. I don't Shania Twain, who maybe not a good example because she's in Vegas all the time, but uh, any other famous Canadian, it's, it's like, do they know, are they just getting paid to talk about this or right. do they, do they participate in the, in the activity? And so that was important to us as well. So when we heard that, you know, he, he plays the bet every now and again, he likes going to sporting events and being part of the scene and the culture, um, whether it's a Raptors game or a college football game or what have you, um, you know, cause he, you know, he was at USC for a bit and he did the NCAA thing. So yeah, it was, it just, it was a good fit. And then the more conversations we had, the, his management team was great. Andre is just cool as hell. So for, for a brand that was trying to be cool, um, yeah, it just worked really great. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, you got, listen, I've interviewed him a couple of times in my old radio days. And I got to say, even before he was famous, he was a, just a, such a great down to earth guy. And that has continued even after mm -hmm. all the fame that, you know, victory on the track has, has brought him. So yeah, I think you've got a real winner. Mm -hmm. You don't need me to tell you that, obviously, but uh, with Andre DeGrasse and Cool Bet, Chris Abbott. Head of North America for Cool Bet. Come back, won't you? I will. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. I love what you guys are doing. Um, so often when I go to be interviewed about the, it's, you know, give me your picks. Who's going to win this? Who's going to do that? But I love talking about the business uh, even more. So uh, be happy to do this anytime. Thanks so much. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.